Coming up, we learn all about Plone next on Novell Open Audio. Welcome to Novell Open Audio, the podcast that connects the Novell user community with what's going on inside and around the Novell universe. I'm your host, Aaron Quill. And I'm Vanna White. <laughs> you are so not Vanna. You are Randy Goddard. Well, I'm holding the sign for you. So yes, I am Randy Goddard acting as Vanna White. <laughs> Why, thank you. So today we're going to talk about Plone, and I have no idea what Plone is because I was gone when you guys recorded this. So Randy, what are we talking about? We're talking about a content management system. In today's day and age of websites, you know, encompassing hundreds, if not thousands of separate pages themselves and content that needs to be consistent across all of those pages, you need a management system to handle all of that content. Okay. And now is this an open source project? This is. Plone is an open source project that uh, here inside Novell, we are implementing and using as our management system. Oh, very cool. So uh, let's go ahead and roll the interview and uh, hear all about Plone. In the studio today, we have Nathan Sandland and Jared Whitlock. Welcome. Thank you. Now, tell us what you guys do here for us at Novell. I'm a developer on uh, our content management system, which supports www.novell.com as well as our intranet, and we're currently using Plone for that. Nathan and I are both on the electronic marketing team, and our main charter in electronic marketing is demand generation. Gentlemen, it's great to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Why does corporation need a content management system? Novell has a lot of websites, and on those websites, we have a lot of content. In the past, we've had HTML editors going to many different files. Say we put out a new piece of content that needs to go on several pages. It's a lot of work to do that by hand. A content management system helps you be able to do one source and have that distributed to many different locations. So it's very essential to efficiency to be able to have something like a content management system. So by content, you're meaning there's maybe a blurb of data, you know, blah, 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 sure. that needs to be published and it needs to be applied to a number of different sites on the internet in traditional methods or in the past, you would have to modify you know, multiple pages. pages to do that. Are we saying the sure. opposite then here with this? Yeah, let me give you an example. We've got an event. We might have a page that lists all events, like, uh, for example, an events calendar. That's one form of putting that out. You have a page that describes what the event is, so that would be the event landing page. You also might have on a product page a reference to the event that might be referencing that product. So those are three pages that you would have to go to in the traditional sense and edit those through HTML. A uh, content management system allows you to input information about that event in one place, and it's automatically published to all locations. So, Nathan, what are we using here within Novell, then? We're using Plone, which is an open-source content management system. We uh, actually, several years ago, bought into a uh, commercial product and spent oh, probably about a year trying to get some traction with that product and really didn't make much progress. And so I came into the project maybe halfway through that process and came up to speed with this commercial product and found that it really wasn't meeting our needs. 
I then did a lot of searching on the web. Turns out that there wasn't a real good solution for us in the base that we were accustomed to in the Java world. And so I expanded the search a bit and found Plone, which is a, actually a Python content management system. We did some proof of concept with that and, and found that it really met our needs very well. I wouldn't say it meets everyone's needs, but for a corporation our size, it, it, it definitely met our needs, uh, especially in the localization and workflow. That was probably our biggest pain point with this uh, commercial product was uh, localization. Let me give an example. For instance, we have all over our site a, a contact area which has a phone number along with a couple of links about uh, how to contact us or how to buy or whatever. That piece of information has both geographic relevance and linguistic relevance. The, the links are translated into various, we have, uh, I don't know what the latest count is, something like 15 languages on novel.com. And then the phone number is geographically based, right? And so that turns out to be a big matrix of different possibilities for what can show up in that spot. So a content management system is really the, the best way to do that. And a content management system like Plone that handles those things well was ideal. We actually looked at several possibilities when we were looking through this. Well, mainly Nathan did, and he ran him by us. And we looked at Drupal. Uh, we looked at other uh, commercial products as well. And Plone seemed to, to be the one that fit most of the needs that we had, specifically on the, this localization issue, also in the ability to make our own content types. Basically, think of that as a vehicle for providing some certain type of information to the website. The switching content management solutions result in major changes to the infrastructure for a website like Novell.com? Not really. We added some servers into the mix, but otherwise, I mean, it runs behind Apache and works nicely. You say works behind Apache. Does it integrate into Apache, or is it something that runs separately from Apache? It doesn't really integrate into Apache. It's its own server. As a result, you can go directly to a Plone server, just as you would any Apache server. It's a web server. But we have such a large site with a lot of access to our pages that you really don't want a dynamic system being hit constantly by a large number of users. Say we have a large press release, a whole bunch of people come to our site. That would bring a bring it to its knees or potentially could slash dot effect <laughs> right we don't want that to happen so what we do is we have a product that we wrote that actually deploys static files out to the apache web server so apache is our, our front end and we also have our caching appliance currently iChain in front of that as well that that helps offload some of that we also have a lot of dynamic content that is by nature strictly dynamic content as a result people are directly hitting the plone servers in those cases, P Apache really isn't in involved other than just a redirect. We've been talking Plone. We've been talking Apache. From my perspective, this sounds like a wholly open source suite that we're using internally now. Is that true? We did buy a, um, a replication solution from Zope Corporation. Plone runs on Zope, which is also a content management system, maybe more, more of a techie-type content management system. So that's the one piece that we did buy. Otherwise, it's all open source. Well, let's talk about that. We're talking about Novell.com, Prestige is everything, and we're looking at using an open source solution 
having used a proprietary commercial solution. Is that scary? Yeah, it was. It <laughs> certainly was a sale that we had to pitch, but we knew that it was the right solution. We had investigated it and found that it really matched our needs very well. It was even a sales pitch to the developers because most of our developers were writing in Java. None of them had written anything in Python. But the nice thing about it is that Plone and Python especially are very well suited for getting your projects done quickly. And so we were able to get some prototypes in within a couple of weeks and really show some very interesting demonstrations to management and to the developers. It was the rapid turnaround that really sold our boss, but I was one of the developers that Nathan's referring to that was reluctant. And it wasn't that I didn't want to change, it was that I wasn't sure, didn't know much about this. And Nathan was able to take the localization issue that we talked about a little earlier. Nathan took that, prototyped it in just a few days, was able to show that to me and my boss, and I was sold at that point, and so was my boss. The other great thing about Plone is that it has a very active user community and a lot of sharing of components. And so, for instance, the uh, language, the localization ability wasn't part of the core product but there was an add-on product that we could just download and, and use. There were a lot of things like that, versioning, for instance. Actually, versioning and translation are both now part of the core product, but at that time they weren't. And so we downloaded uh, add-on products, put them in, and made for uh, quick prototyping. Adoption is almost always the first hurdle that you have to get over. What other sort of hurdles have you guys had to go through or to get over in order to make this a reality. From the business perspective, I'd say another huge one was the fact that we had just bought this commercial product, which was very expensive, and now we had to convince management that, no, we didn't actually want that after all, and, and we were going to go with this open source thing that we could have, you know gotten for free. The easy message in there, though, was even though we'd spent that much money, now we don't have to continue spending money. There's a subscription model, an initial outlay of a huge lump of cash, and then an annual fee that we had to keep paying. So we were able to tell our vice president, well, sure, we spent the money, didn't work out, but now it's going to be mostly free going forward, other than just the development that we have to do on it. We'll get there faster, and we can tell people as the marketing organization, hey, we're using open source stuff. That's a great message for Novelda to give people. Was it an expectation among the managers that you were working with that open source couldn't possibly have the features, the quality of implementation that you'd get from a commercial solution? What we constantly heard from IS&T was this makes us nervous because with a commercial application, even if it's not doing the job we want it to do right now, at least there's a throat to choke. You've got somebody you can go to, and if you've got a support contract with them, they can help you out. The buck stops with them. That's right. What we found out, however, was we would go to the company for support issues, and, well, that's not well-developed yet, or you have to hire a consultant. That was the solution that they would give us. Well, that's no better than open source. We can hire a consultant with open source, or we can do it ourselves. With the commercial application, in many cases, we couldn't do it ourselves. And you can also have a relatively friendly discussion with the developers themselves rather than the people whose job it is to protect you from the developers. <laughs> protect right. the developers it's from you, in fact. Somebody who's just right over the wall from you <laughs> or a little bit further down the hall from you as one of the developers. Yeah. In fact, Plone has uh, mailing lists. It has an IRC channel. It has a number of different ways to communicate with other Plone developers. In fact, the, the very founders of Plone you can get on IRC if you need to. 
with this commercial product that we'd had, there wasn't even a website where we could share components or anything like that. No, well, there no was way. a website, but there were about five components nobody wanted to share because it was all components that were built by consultants. It was and, all proprietary. And code. really, the proprietary only code. way we could get additional components that we hadn't developed was to hire in their consultants. Wow. So given that we're using this open source product, what sort of feedback into the open source community and back into the project have we as Novell given back? Well, we just attended the Plone Conference in uh, Naples, Italy. That was uh, back in October. And one of the things they do at the conference is they have people make proposals for uh, presentations to give. I submitted a proposal and, and actually ended up giving a presentation on Plone at Novell, what we're doing. It was kind of fun. Nathan mentioned the IRC channel. Just prior to the conference, the word got out. I was on the IRC channel, and the word got out to them that Novell was currently using Plone on our production website. People were shocked. They were absolutely amazed that corporation our size was doing it. And then they started asking the question you did, well, what's Novell giving back? So in the presentation that I gave at Naples, I outlined the list of products. It's Think of it as a plug-in for Plone, uh, products that we had developed for use here at Novell. And in the presentation, I said, here's all the products that we've developed. What's interesting to you? What would you like us to work on getting out to the community first? And feedback, yeah, exactly. to the community. Uh, we knew things would be interesting to people, but unfortunately with time constraints and uh, developer egos involved, we don't want to put this code out there until we feel it's ready to go. So we went through a whole list of things, and one product that we call GeoPlone that's for geographic implementation, localization purposes, goes along with the LinguaPlone product that is a language translation product. People were very interested in that. We actually have sent that code to certain individuals who've requested it specifically, and when we get the opportunity to, we're going to implement the unit testing in it that we can, that we need to, in order to, to push that out to the community. And the documentation. And the documentation. The developer's bane. But we're not looking at a case where Novell's taking advantage of what's out there with no interest in giving something back. Well, I, I would say that we certainly are taking advantage of some great stuff out there that other people have done. But we do certainly do have intention of giving back. Where do I start in putting together my corporate website using Plone? I'd say a good place to start is Plone.org and take a look at the videos they have there. There are some really great videos. Uh, and very then entertaining as well. I've looked at one. Yeah, they're, they're quite they're, 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 they are very good. And then, of course, also download the product, install it. The install is very simple. And, uh, of course, it works wonderfully on SUSE Linux. The install, you know, you run a script and then run the system, and right there out of the box you'll have a Plone site running on your box. You don't need anything extra. And the look and feel is actually the, the same templating that Plone.org uses, so it, it will look just like Plone.org. And then from there, of course, it all depends on what you want to do. There are just a million different directions you can go from there. Right out of the box, Plone has a bunch of content types, such as a link content type or an article content type. And there are lots of add-ons, third-party products that you can install as well that will make it a really pretty robust and cool site. You can do really cool stuff like uh, multimedia and other things out of it with uh, third-party plugins. But right out of the box, you've got some great stuff you can do for the basic user. Then from there, you start doing what we've been doing, which is after reading the videos and after re reading documentation and experimentation, you start developing your own products. I'm not going to lie, the learning curve is pretty steep. 
first of all, we had to go from Java to Python, but then understand how the Plone system works and how it can work for us. But once we've got past that learning curve, the power there is just tremendous. Yeah, don't use Plone for your personal website or anything like that. The learning curve is certainly too steep for that. You want it for a big website, I think. And uh, about the learning curve, they they call it a Z-shaped learning curve. Effectively, the very beginning is fairly flat. It's fairly easy to get it started. And then when you want to do something pretty challenging, you're going to have a very steep line. And then once you figure that out, it flattens out again. Another way to go for people who have some budget for this purpose, there are lots of consultants out there. At the Plone Conference, we met a a bunch of consultants that are very interested in helping people, of course. That's what they do. They want to make money. But they know their stuff, and they're very active in the community. How much coding is really involved for people like yourselves when it comes to maintaining a site like novell.com? That all depends on what the requirements are. There's always a new project to work on, so when there's a new project, there's new code. But one of the nice things about Plone is a lot of times if we've got a completely different approach we need to take at something, somebody out there might have done it already. For example, if when we, we started doing multimedia stuff for like what we're recording right here, there was a piece out there for doing that sort of thing. We had to do some minor modifications to it. When it's something completely new that's not out there, there's a lot of coding sometimes, but I would say that in Python, the projects go a lot faster than than we used to do with Java projects. And I'd have to believe that the coding involved is no more than probably less than the effort that would be involved to do it from scratch anyway. Absolutely, because the Plone framework has a lot there for you. You mentioned the community around this project. What sort of size of community are we talking here? At the Plone conference in Naples, it's probably not a good representation of that. There were, I want to say, about 400, 450 people. I, I know All that. developers? Uh, no, there were a lot of consultants as well. There are a couple of different tracks there. You had, well... You've got consultants, you've got uh, people who are interested in using Plone on their site, integrators, so various people. I couldn't tell you exactly how many developers there are, but I took a bunch of SUSE Linux CDs or DVDs there and gave them all out. So I took about 600. But I think people took multiples, and actually I was encouraging that because I didn't want to take a box home. <laughs> but uh, it's free candy anyway. Yeah, you know, that's we right. want to give that away. You always, if it was T-shirts, they, you know, would have been gone really quickly. The Plone Conference in Seattle the previous year, there were probably about a thousand people that attended. So I don't know if that gives you an idea of who's developing. I know there are several companies out there developing lots of products. You can go to Plone.org and see the, the different kinds of people that you're, you're looking at. But I think the point being that for an open source project, that sounds like a great turnout to me. Absolutely. But the fact that there are conferences with numbers in the hundreds, as many as a thousand, we're talking about an active community. Yeah, in cool places too, like Naples. Novell uses a lot of its own products on its own website. Is that still possible with Plone, eDirectory, iChain and the like? Yes, we are using iChain for uh, single sign-on as well as caching. And we're using eDirectory for users. Plone works well with LDAP, and so it works well with eDirectory. Well, Nathan and Jared, thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) 
thanks to Nathan and Jared who joined us on that interview. It's interesting to see how here inside Novell we're incorporating these open source projects. Yeah, it really is cool to hear how we're using them real world uh, inside Novell. And, you know, actually listening to this did remind me of one interesting conversation that actually came up last night talking to my wife. So my wife's a graphic designer, so she's involved a lot in different companies who are, you know, redesigning their websites or their corporate identity or anything. And last night I was talking to her about one of the websites she's working on, and she told me about one of the new rules that a bunch of people are using, which is no more coming soon pages on websites right on. or under construction because she was telling me that every time somebody rolls out a website and they have all these grandiose ideas and they put up coming soon or under construction, those pages never actually get filled up. So you wind up with just a whole bunch of blank URLs on your web page and how it's a lot better now just to, if you don't have content for it, don't put a link into it. Don't even put a placeholder in it. Just go with it. If you don't have anything to say, leave it alone. Exactly. Add it when you actually have the content. Right on. So that wraps it up for this episode of Novel Open Audio. Thanks and have a good day. 